Welcome to Find Laws, Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm your host this week, Andy Leonetti. I'm joined by Vedahi Mehta. Hello, Vedahi. <laughs> hey, Andy. How's it going? Perk up. <laughs> and uh, Joe Fabush. How's it going, Joe? It is going excellent. Thank you. Uh, Laura Temi is spelunking this week. Uh, and, <laughs> She's in California, and, right? Uh, no, she's spelunking. Can you like cave, like cave exploring? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like figuratively. It's okay. A joke. Okay. Sorry for outing your location, Laura. Your stalkers are gonna <laughs> are gonna come at you. Now. So this week we're going to talk about something that I think a lot of people think may not affect them, but it actually could you all have seen no doubt that in the news recently a few politicians mm. both <laughs> current and former we're not going to say who have been in the news lately for being naughty boys um, <laughs> and specifically they held on to some classified government documents that they apparently shouldn't have now the laws that are at issue in those cases which regard how the federal government classifies documents are insanely complex and we're not going to talk about those today that's thank god yeah <laughs> but because we it's kind of a black box too <laughs> yeah i'm kind and i'm already tired of the ten thousand think pieces about why this case is different from mm -hmm. this one and why that one is different from the other one and yada 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 but fortunately, most of you listeners will not even be in that particular situation. Yes. Um, instead, this does, though, provide us a good segue to talk mm -hmm. about regular Joes like us. <laughs> and I don't mean only Fawbush. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you also don't mean the other Joe. <laughs> yeah, but that's also a good point, Vedahi. I do not mean the other Joe either. Um, and so for those of us who don't work in national security, federal law enforcement, uh, other jobs involving the handling of classified and top secret documents, many of us do still work at companies who have information that they think would be better if it didn't see the light of day. Public and private. Yes, public and private. This includes documents that can include uh, sensitive customer information like credit card and social security numbers, contracts with vendors and suppliers, personnel files, internal investigations, corporate strategy documents involving merger and acquisition targets, product specs, research and development information, etc. You know, this is we're talking any sort of stuff that could cause financial harm to customers, the company, clients, any of that stuff. The three of us can attest that we are no strangers to this stuff ourselves. We did just go through yes. our like annual training on privacy and information, but sometimes they don't really tell you what you actually need to do when you find yourselves in a situation and what all of your legal rights are. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we do have to make sure that we don't let any sensitive internal information get into the wrong hands, which can include the, the media, hackers, scammers, etc., etc. We do this every year. Stuff that Stuff that seems that you think would be elementary, but Far too many people probably forget that stuff um, <laughs> <laughs> because it probably wouldn't need to be said so much if so many people didn't do it. Yeah. Or if attorneys, you know, come home and kind of just want to vent to their significant others about a particularly difficult case or clients. Yeah. Like you really, you really can't. Mm -hmm. um, 
And people are going to do it, but, like, you should know what repercussions mm-hmm. c- you could be in for. Yeah, exactly. To be clear, there can be serious consequences for you if you aren't careful. Uh, you can be fired for sloppily handling internal company documents that your company views as confidential or highly confidential. Um, to be extra clear here, if you live in an at-will employment state and the terms of your employment contract do not state otherwise, mm-hmm. you can be fired for pretty much anything. So there doesn't have to be like a good cause, basically. Yes, to be extra, extra clear, <laughs> unless you live in Montana, you live <laughs> in an at-will employment state with some oh, wow. with some exceptions. Some states, ha- states have different, different um, exceptions to the kind of at-will relationship between employer and employee like you can't be fired for refusing to violate the law Mm -hmm. your employer can't fire you for a discriminatory reason such as your race your religion Mm -hmm. things like that you can't be fired for a violation in some states have this thing that's called an implied contract exception where the employee, even though you don't have a written contract, your employer can make representations through, say, an employee handbook mm-hmm. that will spell out yeah. how they're going to deal with procedures for disciplining employees. Right. And that that handbook, because remember, folks, we talked about this on an earlier episode, a contract isn't just a piece of paper with words that you sign. It's agreements that you've arrived on just in conversations with your boss. It's It can be implied through, like Andy said, handbooks. So mm-hmm. all of that together constitutes more or less your employment contract. It's not just a literal document called a contract with your signature on it. Yeah. But also, like you said earlier about what, what being an at-will employee means, mm-hmm. to note this is probably not someone who's in a union governed by a collective bargaining agreement, but... Us, the three of us, we are all at will employees. Yeah. Um, we don't have, we aren't signed to any sort of, we, we all signed employment agreements when we started working at TR, but mm-hmm. they state in plain writing that we are, that our employment status is at will. We aren't signed to like a contract that allows us to get some sort of big time severance if we get fired for wearing a purple hat to the office um, or. Right. As long as it's. <laughs> It's, it doesn't have, basically to boil it down, it doesn't have to be a good reason. It just can't be a bad reason, which is like discrimination. Yes. Right. Right. But you can get fired for not being a quote team player. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are all kinds of like, you know, not great reasons, but a pretty arguably good reason would be if you either on purpose or even accidentally leaked important company company information yes uh that's that includes something that includes honest mistakes this is a this is i'm pulling this straight Mm -hmm. from our training an honest mistake (laughs) like mistake like say you're sitting in a coffee shop working and you're looking at some confidential company documents you get up to go to the bathroom and you leave your laptop screen open and somebody gets a hold of it gets a hold of whether Mm -hmm. they get a hold of the information or your laptop or if you're sending company info to your personal email or like personal Google Drive to do work later at home, mm-hmm. if you're falling for uh, phishing scams on your work email and putting mm-hmm. secrets at risk, 
if you made your password findlaw123 and made it really easy, you know, for someone to gain <laughs> to gain access to your computer. <laughs> Joe, Joe's laughing, but he's Aww. like, note to self, change password. Um, <laughs> it is findlaw123, but I put in an exclamation point at the end, so there's a special <laughs> character, so it's totally, you can't even figure it out, for sure. But 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 that is all to say, like, if, 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 if anyone does get fired or otherwise some kind of repercussion for an honest mistake of sharing something, it's probably still worth negotiating or going through your employer's HR channels to, you know, try to get your job back. But legally, you don't have, and again, this is not legal advice, but but like truly, like legally, you don't have a lot of uh, avenues. Right. You don't have much of a leg to stand on. And Mm -hmm. most employment lawyers would probably tell you the same and not take yeah unless you're like we were talking about earlier unless your employee handbook states violations of information security or trade stealing trade secrets or Mm -hmm. whatever will be dealt with first through a you know a formal Mm -hmm. reprimand second through a demotion and third through termination and like third offense would be termination it's you could you, you guys are a little sol there uh-huh. And certainly if they can, if it can somehow be shown that you did it on purpose, like that's a whole nother. That's even worse. I would guess. I would guess. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Unless, which we'll get to later, <laughs> unless you were intentionally doing it under the protection of whistleblower laws. Yeah. So you could get fired. And in many cases, you could also be sued. Right, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the, the segue. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to go back a little bit because you were talking about employment contracts. And in some cases, depending on the job that you hold, you may have to sign a confidentiality agreement yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So that can play into it outside of the employment agreement itself. You may have, you can't talk about this or you can't talk about what we do at the company. Uh, Sometimes there are non-compete agreements about like contacting Mm -hmm. other competitors with client lists, for example. So Mm -hmm. there are certain contracts that you can enter into that will govern in a situation like this, where if you violate it, it's essentially a breach of contract. And so that gets into contract law and we don't necessarily need to go into that. But just be aware that you may have various contracts governing what happens to you if you break either an explicit or implied contract of not revealing confidential company information. And these can take the form of NDAs, of course, which Mm -hmm. apply not only when you're currently employed there, but often can apply when after you've left a company too, because you know, you can't just mm-hmm. put that in for, even if you leave your laptop at work and bring all your files back, sometimes you know inside knowledge that you can't just erase. And so sometimes folks will be bound by NDAs even after they leave the company. Yeah. First rule of find law, don't talk about find law. <laughs> <laughs> Except we talk about it on here all the time. <laughs> yeah. And NDAs, of course, stands for non-disclosure agreements. Mostly people right. are think of them in terms of They've been in the news recently for like sexual harassment claims Mm. and things like that. But NDAs are much broader than that and they can encompass a lot of information. So, yeah, there's the contract part. And for the most part, I think termination is what you should be worried about if you're an employee and Mm -hmm. you're a little loose with confidential information. Uh, But other things can happen 
sometimes you can be sued. It's pretty rare. But if you are talking about a trade secret, so Mm -hmm. a trade secret is just some, you know, a secret that's a device or a technique that a company uses in manufacturing something. So like the Coke Coke formula. Yeah, it's the company's secret sauce, and you know what goes into the secret sauce and how it's made. I know what makes Fine Law so cool, and I'm not telling either <laughs> of you two. Yeah. Or yes, the listeners. Exactly. Is, it, is it you, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> Can't confirm, nor de- neither confirm nor deny. We cracked the code. Yeah, so if you have access to a trade secret, let's say let's say you, you have the secret sauce recipe, and... For whatever reason, you get offered more money at a different company. Uh, Somebody reaches out to you uh, and says, hey, what do you say you come work for us and maybe start making that secret sauce over here? You can absolutely be sued for that because what you're doing is you're violating somebody's uh, trade secret. And there are a couple of different elements to filing a claim for that. I don't want to get too far into this, but... Basically, it just has to be the company actually has a trade secret. You misappropriated that information, Mm -hmm. and then you disclosed it improperly to somebody. And because of that, you or the whatever company you gave it to was unjustly enriched because of that. So Mm -hmm. those are all kind of things that need to be determined if you're going to be successfully sued for violating a trade secret. And my follow-up question there is, Trade secrets such as like Colonel Sanders' secret chicken recipe or, or, the, or the Coke recipe aren't things that are covered by other protections in IP like copyright or patent or anything like that, right? Because they don't qualify. So the only protection is then this sort of trade secret lawsuit, right? That's a great point because, yeah, obviously if it's already copyrighted information, the company that you mm-hmm. worked for could just go and have them take it down or prevent them. Um, right. Yeah. And if you did file a lawsuit for, for something like this, what you would seek in the lawsuit is called an injunction. So you would try mm-hmm. to get the company to stop doing it until the lawsuit was re- resolved. And then you would also seek money damages for whatever harm that it caused you. Yeah. And so you, you and the company that you sold it to could be facing some pretty significant economic consequences for doing that. There are also some other ways that you might be in trouble according to the industry that you work in. So just as one random example, if you work in the medical field, there are HIPAA rules that you have to follow Mm -hmm. about patient confidentiality. Now, HIPAA doesn't give a private right of action, and that's just a fancy way of saying that you can't sue the doctor who violated HIPAA. So you can't say, he gave my information, Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to give me a million dollars. But what you can do is report the violation, and then the doctor could be fined by the government for violating those Mm -hmm. rules. And yeah, we definitely don't want to get too into the weeds on HIPAA, (laughs) which is a rabbit hole we don't want to go down. We did did that a few years ago. uh... (laughs) Right. So yeah, we're we're not going to get too far into that. But just be aware that whatever industry you're in, might have its own special state or federal regulations if you're in finance, if you're in medicine, uh, if you're an attorney. There are rules governing what information you can and can't disclose. It's too broad of a topic to really get specifics, but uh, hopefully you're aware of what those rules are if that's your industry. 
So those are the civil penalties. So basically we've got three options here. We've got, you're going to be fired. You're going to be sued. (laughs) The next question is, can you actually be criminally prosecuted? And the answer is yes. Not often, but there are certain federal laws like the Economic Espionage Act. And so this would apply more to like really egregious examples where you just flat out stole information and sold it. For example, say you work at a big tech company, you help develop a new AI algorithm and you're mad about the recent layoffs. And so you take that algorithm and you sell it to a Chinese company for $10 million dollars clearly you've stolen this. Uh, That's a violation of federal law. So, of course, the company that you work for is going to be able to fire you and sue you, but also the federal government would be able to prosecute you because you've been violating federal laws by misappropriating this information and selling it to a foreign entity. Hmm. And, And this generally comes into play more if you're dealing with, like, interstate commerce or uh, foreign governments, uh, that's kind of where it rises mm-hmm. to the level of criminal activity. Right. Because well, because to your point, Joe, like there are, it's not just country to country. There are state specific laws on this information, too. So then maybe if you're if I, I don't know if the, the bulk of this is regulated by, by federal statute or if states are like state AGs are intervening here. I mean, the main concern and the main issue that you're going to get in big trouble with is if you take information and you sell it to a company that, like a Chinese company that Mm -hmm. is essentially a branch of the Chinese government, uh, you know, federal prosecutors will take exception to that. Yeah. So is the person who divulged that the special sauce on a Big Mac is Thousand Island dressing, like currently serving eight life sentences at yeah, federal federal supermax. Yeah, super hard time. Yeah, no, he's. Uh... <laughs> but actually, <laughs> wait, actually, yeah, it is thousand. Is that what you're at? actually? At? Yeah, it's Thousand Island dressing. But he's but he's actually serving. No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> I'm just no because the government's not gonna. <laughs> no, the, the govern- government doesn't care. No, no, that's yeah, and that's why I mean, like in special circumstances, like I mean, right? May- maybe a couple of examples. Will help. So, like, uh, we already talked about big tech company. You're stealing something that's breakthrough technology that the U.S. government will care about if it gets out other places. That's one thing. Let's say you work at a car dealership and your buddy gets fired and it turns out that he wants just, like, the sales numbers from last month, even though he no longer works there. And you don't think anything of it. You're like, well, he just probably wants to get a new job. And so he's going to talk about his sales numbers. And so you give it to Mm -hmm. him. Turns out your buddy is suing the company that you work for because of discrimination or whatever it is. Uh, The company can then fire you. I mean, that would be the most likely. Because if they realize that you gave out that kind of confidential information to a former employee who no longer works there, they would absolutely have every right to fire you. And they might do that. But not to sue you. Yeah, but not to sue you. An example of when you might be able to be sued is the McDonald's secret sauce. <laughs> I work for McDonald's. I say, boy, I it's Thousand Island. How have people not figured this out? I'm going to sell it to Burger King and make a bunch of money. 
uh, McDonald's would then say, nope, you took our secret. We're going to sue you. And of course, you're also going to be fired then. So yeah, those are kind of some examples of what you'll get in trouble for. But, you know, this is the law. So of course, things are more complicated than that. And there are exceptions, uh, particularly if you're talking about revealing information that maybe, you know, something nefarious is going on at the company. Basically, if the government cares enough, then they might have your back, <laughs> Yeah, is the lesson here. <laughs> yeah, so we call that whistleblowing, right? Yeah, so let's talk about whistleblowers, this, like, protected area of where if, if, you, if you slip up in the right way with the right information, you, you could have something to, to gain from it. So, so whistleblowers are regulated in large part by what's called the False Claims Act, which might not sound like it makes sense, but if you know the history behind it, it kind of does. So really, really quick Wayback Machine trip. We are right after the Civil War, and all wars are expensive and wasteful, sure, but the Civil War was particularly egregious and allegedly cost approximately a lot. Like, I can't really <laughs> tell you how much, because if you try to look it up, you will get anything from three to six billion. So... Whatever. The real point is it costs so much, partly because government contractors were trying to rip Uncle Sam off by submitting fraudulent claims. Like some contractors were selling government back the guns they used, they'd already used and thrown away at full price. Um, plus, there was bribery and corruption, the huge. So Congress passes the False Claims Act. But why is that relevant? Well, it was sort of, this act was sort of the first major legislation that had provisions for whistleblowers written into it. Um, and that's kind of one of its hallmarks to this day, even though we have a lot, a lot of other statutes since regarding whistleblowers. And the sort of more formal or legal term for whistleblower suits is what's called a key TAM action. And that's spelled Q-U-I space T-A-M, key TAM. And Ketam is the abbreviation for the Latin phrase, oh God. Oh God no, that's already. not what it means. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, the abbreviation. Yeah, yeah, I don't think Ketam means oh God. <laughs> Something deus oh then, right? <laughs> Get ready for a mouthful. Ketam pro domino reggae quam pro se ipso in hoc parte sequitur. Meaning... Obviously, who <laughs> sues on behalf of the king as well as for himself? Oh, I hate the king. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are we, England? I hope we don't have any British listeners. Hi, guys. We, we, love you. we have lots of British listeners, actually. <laughs> okay. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we adopted y'all's law system. So <laughs> yeah. Imitation is the most sincere <laughs> form of flattery. There you go. Anyway, I think. There are two big reasons that KETAM or whistleblower statues incentivize people being outed for wrongdoing and getting held accountable where they'd otherwise get away with it. There's two big reasons that I can think of. Um, one of these is the anti-retaliatory protections that the statutes set out. Um, these are protections against retaliation by the person you reported, and they're they're a key part of whistleblower law because People are obviously going to be very hesitant to come forward if they know they're likely to lose their job or if they think they might get sued, even if they wouldn't, right? They're, they're going to fear repercussion, going to be more hesitant. Um, 
unless they have these protections baked into the law itself. Another big part of it is that governments have the resources to bring lawsuits where private citizens may not. It's costly and it takes a lot of time and also evidence uh, if you're on your own trying to fight your employer. But if you can get the government to do all the legwork for you, it's truly a win-win. Um, and then, but let's, let's not forget that you're probably also going to recover more money potentially this way because whistleblower provisions also allow uh, successful litigants, if you win, to be awarded a percent of the funds that are recovered, uh, up to 30%, depending on the case. Which I, I would just want to pause there, because if you think of 30% of some of these government contracts, mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. we're not talking small change here. Like you, you, oh, no. you can do pretty well for yourself if you win one of these. Even though you would get a larger percent of the damages if you won your own individual suit, mm-hmm. the money at stake is so much smaller than if the government right. brought a bigger suit. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a class action, but not, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. So, well then, but you you might be like, what if I don't have a government job? Luckily though, the False Claims Act is just like the, fir- the first and seminal example of a whole bunch of statutes that have since been put in place to make room for whistleblowers in all sorts of different workplaces. So, um, for example, OSHA, the Occupational Safety Health folks, they have t- 20 different statutes just by themselves that uh, they really cover all sectors depending on the issue. Like you can report to them an asbestos violation or, or a toxic substance or safe drinking water provision, all kinds of things. And many of the laws covering the reporting uh, of these violations do cover private employees or companies, too. There's a case from 2009 that I'm not even going to talk about, but it like set the stage for a lot of whistleblower litigation. I'm just going to tell you the name of the case, which (laughs) I just have to bring up for no other reason than, well, it's kind of a dumb, nerdy reason. I mean, have you met me? Okay, the case is called, and this is important, it's called United States XREL Einstein v. City of New York. What do y'all notice that's different about the title here? Well, there's that strange XREL. <laughs> it's not just someone v. someone. Yeah. It's like got multiple. It's got three people in the name. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we're getting into so many ugh, esoteric Latin abbreviations. Don't you love it? Uh, we, we talked about this like two episodes ago. The bots are coming for our jobs, so lawyers have to pretend we're a lot smarter than we are by making up words, but really just translating <laughs> plain English into a dead language. <laughs> like, we could have used English to say all legal words we have, but we have to fake arbitrary barriers to entry oh, for self-preservation. Don't, don't get me started, because I, I could <laughs> go on a rant right now. So, yeah, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> that is all to say, XREL is just short for, more Latin, ex relacione, that I'm going to butcher, which is snob for on behalf of. Mm -hmm. So Mm. I'm paraphrasing, but basically, yeah, it's used to distinguish more traditional lawsuits from, more traditional lawsuits that come from the government, whether they're criminal, administrative, civil. So I guess in those more traditional lawsuits where the government itself is bringing the action, maybe the local county prosecutor, maybe the Department of Justice, in those in, in those suits, the government itself is definitely a party. But so sometimes, like in certain whistleblower situations or key TAM actions, the government isn't 
initiating the suit. So you'll see this in certain state statutes or their constitution where people, citizens, are allowed to poke the government into bringing suits. So, for example, there are environmental protection statutes out there where it'll be like, hey, it's illegal to cut down trees in this nature preserve. And if anyone gets too hacksaw happy, the attorney general can prosecute you. Or since the attorney general is a busy man and he might not know about it or it might not be He's too busy dealing with classified documents. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Don't get me started, Andy. I was an assistant attorney general back in the day. The attorney general himself is not bringing any of these people. Like, he's still a busy man. Anyway, I digress. So because the government can't get to everything or might not know about it, these these statutes will say, okay, we'll let individual citizens call it out and basically report it to the government. Um, It's more involved than just reporting, uh, as Joe, you alluded to with the HIPAA violations. It's more involved than that. You actually have to do this application. You're basically petitioning the government to take your whistleblower case up. But yeah, the government prosecutors, um, in in, in these like XRL type cases, whistleblower key TAM cases, the private party requests the government to bring the case and the requesting party is called the relator. And the government isn't like obligated to accept your case, of course, but they unsurprisingly tend to do so only if it's in their interest, right? So like if, if they care about it, if it's big enough, it's, if, it's affecting, if it's affecting their pockets, totally. Well, like, totally. A, like anyone in anything else, they like money too. So yeah. if there's a reason, for, if there's a legitimate chance for them to get money, of course they're going to go forward with it. But yeah, I think you're right because I think it, it's important to call out the difference between a whistleblower claim and how it works if... Uh, say you've been the victim of a crime and you want to report a crime mm-hmm. to the prosecution's office. The prosecutor has complete discretion to bring the claim. Mm-hmm. It's totally up to him. You you can say, I do want criminal charges filed or I don't, but the prosecutor can do whatever his or her own prerogative, basically. And it's a little different. You're a little more involved with a whistleblower claim. You are, you are. And, and, and even though it's in the government's interest like they don't always have to intervene. So and if, in fact, if they don't take up your case, if, if you want to bring a whistleblower case and the government decides not to intervene, you can still go forward with it and, and, and bring suit yourself, um, which you can't do in criminal because criminal is purely at the discretion of the government, mm-hmm. even though you can report it. And um, and the retaliation part of it is a big one because I guess I guess if you're an employer out there and you're dealing with this, Careful, careful how you, you know, careful what you do in response to any potential whistleblower threats, because uh, you don't want to end up like Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. If y'all remember, he had whistleblowers in his own office Mm -hmm. that accused him of bribery. And he actually recently retaliated by firing them. And now they're bringing suit for the retaliation. So four of these employees, I think, um, there were there were like a total of eight. Four of these employees are suing him under the state statute. See, there's, there's state laws governing this too. It's not just federal law. They're suing him under the Texas Whistleblower Act. And they're seeking reinstatement of their jobs, compensation for lost wages, plus pay for future lost earnings, and then further damages for emotional pain and suffering. Paxton's team, his legal team, is trying to negotiate a settlement with them. But now it's just like, 
a whole ongoing it's like a continued mess because of the retaliation of the of the whistleblower thing it's just so careful everybody should basically tread lightly (laughs) your first thought should be if an employee comes to you and says hey it looks like we're breaking the law your first move should be oh could you tell me more and how can we fix that not you're fired. Or <laughs> if anyone has seen the recent TV show with Natasha Leone, Poker Face, your first reaction should not be having your hitman follow them home and p- taking a hit yeah, on them. Let's, yeah, let's refrain from the hitman, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is our non-legal advice of the day. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws, Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. I remember remember when I found out the Thousand Island thing and... I felt like a, I felt like a big idiot because because, because I like that. Is it actually like has it been confirmed? Because if you ask a McDonald's executive, like they'll say definitely not. But it basically is, right? Yeah, it's basically. Yeah. <laughs> How can it be anything else? It can't be anything else. <laughs>